You're tuned in to Give It a Rest, the podcast, where we're giving tough love truths for the sisterhood. I'm your host, Danielle Byer-Jackson, certified friendship expert and author of the book, Give It a Rest, The Case for Tough Love Friendships. And when it comes to misunderstandings and complications within our female friendships, I am here to help you through it. Today, we are talking about what to do when the spirit of negativity infiltrates your friendship. So whether that's you finding yourself guilty of the behavior or trying to manage negativity from a friend, it's a common complaint. In fact, when I personally surveyed a large group of women in 2019 uh, for my book, Give It a Rest, The Case for Tough Love Friendships, it was one of the top three complaints within the friendship was the degree of negativity um, that was serving as the dynamic in those relationships. So what do you do? How are you supposed to pull yourself away from those behaviors without changing the rhythm of the friendship? It's really tricky, right? Um, And sometimes even intimidating the thought of bringing it up to a friend because it's so awkward. So today I'm going to walk you through tactical things that you can do to kind of escape those behaviors, but still maintaining your friendship. And I have to say, when I bring up the topic, I feel a little convicted myself because there was a point in my life where I was very guilty. It calls to mind the situation with a friend of mine who we will call Karen. Karen. She was my bestie at one point, but it's mostly because we were coworkers and we grew together very closely. You know, you spend that much time together at work, you get to know each other pretty well, and then you get comfortable. So Karen and I made dark, sarcastic comments about our job all of the time. The monotony of each task, the idiocy of our coworkers, I'm not proud of it, but we did. And initially, it was just some mutual venting. And we justified it by fixating on the fact that our job really was terrible and our supervisors truly were awful people. But the cynical commentary gradually leaked outside of the workplace, and I found myself complaining about everything. And I'm still astounded by how gradually that happened. It's kind of like when you go swimming in the ocean and letting the waves move you with each push. You look up suddenly and you realize that you have drifted far beyond the beach towel and the umbrella that you laid out to serve as place markers. It's like that. And eventually, another friend pointed out to me that I didn't seem happy because I'd been complaining a lot, and she hesitated to use that word. And perhaps it's because that kind of feels like the ultimate insult. To be told that you complain a lot, to be called out for being negative, it's embarrassing. Who wants to be known as Debbie Downer? Nobody. So while I experienced this bitterness in a temporary season of joylessness, for some people, complaining is just a way of life. And these people are everywhere. Typically, we talk about complainers as like enemies, people we got to cut out. They're toxic. I don't want to deal with them. But what do we do when complainers aren't just the women we don't like? What do we do when those complainers are our friends, people we enjoy spending time with, girls we've known for forever? What are we supposed to do then? You know, and when I had these reflections, I realized, okay, I'm not alone, especially once I conducted that survey last year and I saw those results. 
I knew, okay, this is a common theme. So let's talk about it. It was actually 53% of women who said that they'd experienced a friendship with a woman who was always complaining. But how are you supposed to tell a friend she's too negative? How do you call out um, a defeatist attitude, which means a person uh, consistently expecting failure and demise? How do you bring that up without, you know, striking a nerve or getting hit with major defensiveness? And then can we even blame her for her negativity? Is her pessimistic attitude even her fault, especially if we've been enablers or worse, you know, contributors? But here is why those negativity callouts are so difficult. There is this thin, blurry line between occasional cathartic venting and then constant Scrooge-like grumbling. It's hard to encourage somebody to eliminate the habit when there's so much about complaining that actually draws us together. Before I started uh, Tell Public Relations, I spent seven years as a high school teacher, and I made many of my work friends by chatting about our unsupportive administration, our disrespectful students, and really challenging parents. It's like we became a refuge for each other, and I found understanding in my coworkers. They were the only people who knew what it was like to be passionate about your career, but resentful of the conditions of your job. And we were also tragically overworked and underpaid. And sharing our grievances, it drew us closer. With some of us beginning to spend time together beyond the confines of our tiny classrooms, we went to happy hours together, and soon we were attending each other's birthday parties. And the talk began to turn negative every time. Even with some of my closest teacher friends, I found myself eventually needing a timeout because the complaining was beginning to affect my entire day. And let me pause here and just say, until teachers get the kind of professional and emotional support they need, they have a lot to complain about. I just hadn't figured out my boundaries for productive venting and having an ongoing pessimistic attitude. But whether we're bound to our friends from work, college, or our neighbor friends, there's something pleasant about complaining together. Can we just start there by admitting that it does feel good? It's just that how do we handle it when the negativity goes too far and we find ourselves dreading being around the other person? What do we do when the negativity begins to affect the way we feel about the overall friendship? Every girl has that one friend who always knows what to say to make her look good in front of other people. Well, that's what a creative co is for your social media. So if you've always wanted a marketing team, but you never really have like the budget for it, a creative co exists to help you keep your social media ahead of the game in a really affordable way. In fact, I literally tune into their stories every week just to learn how to keep my social media fresh And also to kind of get a laugh or two because it's a genuinely hilarious brand as well. So if you want to book a free consultation with them, visit the website at acreativeco.com or just keep up with their Instagram stories the way that I do on Instagram at a underscore creative co. And if you decide that maybe it's a good fit for you, you get your first seven days with them for free. So visit them at acreativeco.com and tell them Give It A Rest sent you.
let's take a look at the research. Robert Sapolsky is a neurology professor at Stanford, and he conducted a study about three years ago, and he found that complaining releases cortisol, that hormone that causes stress. So while occasional venting can make us feel relieved, constant complaining can actually make you feel worse. But it doesn't only affect you, the person complaining, it affects the person listening. Because that same study found that complaining literally erodes your brain over time, specifically the part that's responsible for your ability to problem solve. That's important because it shows that after complaining long enough, you are literally making it more difficult to find a way out of the very situations you're complaining about. And by definition, it seems so harmless. Literally, complain means to express dissatisfaction. It just turns out that between the neurological, physical, and emotional fallout of constant complaining, it's detrimental not only to the person doing it, but to the people you're in relationship with. So here's how we kind of stop complaining in their tracks. Let's be clear. Vulnerability, vulnerably opening up about your fears and your frustrations is very healthy and it is very normal. Sometimes you have to talk through things in order to feel better and to figure out a way to approach your problems, but an ongoing attitude of everything sucks is an issue. I personally know why it's important to begin redirecting friends who are negative because it causes undue stress and tension if you don't. When I had friends who were constantly complaining, I found that my friendships were suffering because I kept letting it go unchecked. So before I had the courage and the strategies to redirect my friends, I didn't pick up the phone when my downer friends called. I began thinking of reasons, aka lies, I'm not proud of that, of what I was suddenly uh, unable to meet up for coffee conversations with them became full of landmines. I didn't feel good after we hung out. I found myself feeling drained and exhausted and therefore I didn't want to hang out with them, you know, the next day even though we were scheduled to. So, here are a few tips to try when you're friends with a woman whose negative attitude is getting you down. The first is to create a new boundary but present it like you're doing her a favor. Create a boundary, present it as a favor. So for example, try saying something like, girl, I feel bad because your job obviously gets you really worked up and I want to be your sounding board, but I don't want you and I to both be stressed. So how about we don't focus on that for a while so we can channel your energy into the amazing things you have going on like this new podcast launch. Let's talk about it. Okay, so I'm pointing out the subject that makes her upset, but I'm packaging it like I'm doing her a favor by saying, you know what, let's avoid that because it gets you really worked up and I don't want you to get worked up. Let's talk about something else. That's one way to kind of pivot when she launches into another tirade, another spiral of negativity. One other tip that you can do is to just avoid the subject completely that tends to get her going. And that may seem really obvious, but if there is just one particular subject that really gets her worked up, then you can try your best just not to bring it up. For chronic complainers, any topic is fair game. They can find a way to be miserable about anything, but the average person typically has a few particular sore spots. The third thing you can try to do is to pivot 
gracefully. So there's a gentle way to let her know she's being negative by telling her you want the positive. So try this. Well, girl, tell me something good. What's going well for you right now? That's a subtle way to let her know, girl, you just came off of this super negative stream again. But let's let's change the subject. Let's change the game. So this one's a little more obvious than strategy one because you're letting her know like, gosh, that is awful. So you know what? Let's let's balance that by talking about something positive. It lets her know, but it could be a um a way out that she happily accepts. So it's kind of an out to switch the subject. Um, The fourth thing you can do is offer a solution. When women speak to each other, we spend more time questioning and commiserating than solution talk. And you'll know this like when you think about comparing how we talk to, you know, guy talk and how sometimes we get ticked off because our husband just offers a solution and we're like, I'm trying to vent. But we question and we commiserate more than we do solving problems together. So while we do help each other, you know, solve problems, it tends to come after we first engage in active listening and sympathetic chatter. So this means it might stand out if instead of offering a long period of commiserating, which we typically do you cut to the chase by offering a solution. So pretty much think like a guy (laughs) and think about how it takes us off, how sometimes they go straight to a solution instead of talking it through. Try the same thing. It lets you cut to the chase. And if she's looking for you to empathize with one of her 100 complaints, it might stop if she sees you're not willing to engage. More women are starting businesses than ever before, so it's likely that you're friends with a female entrepreneur. One way you can support her is by helping her make sure her money is together, and a common headache for business owners is tax season. So refer your business owner friend to thefreshtaxmaven.com where she can have a virtual, professional, and pain-free experience with a business that specifically caters to women who wear a lot of hats. And get this, if your friend books an appointment with the Fresh Tax Maven using code GIVEITARREST, she'll receive a free $100 restaurant gift certificate. And then guess who she's probably going to take to some fancy dinner with her? You. So shoot your girl a text right now to tell her the Fresh Tax Maven is about to make her life a little easier. Find more information on thefreshtaxmaven.com or follow them on Instagram at thefreshtaxmaven. And the last thing you can try to do is to refer her to somebody who can help. So when your friend begins to complain about the same thing she always complains about, and you've already tried all of the strategies above, you tried to help her, then maybe say something like this. Tanya, you've mentioned to me more than a few times now um, about this issue, but girl, I don't think I can help you with it. Do you think at maybe this point a professional could help you stop feeling this way? I mean, I could help you look for somebody if you want. So although you might be frustrated, it might be best to deliver that option gently and earnestly. You should not offer this with sarcasm or exasperation. You should be extending this option as a genuine means of trying to help her solve whatever the issue is. Because it's very possible that speaking with somebody qualified to help her won't just end the complaining, but actually address the root issue of her aggravation. And since human beings are inherently social, our brains are naturally and unconsciously mimicking the moods of those around us, particularly people we spend a great deal of time with. This process is actually called neuronal mirroring. 
and it's the basis for our ability to feel empathy. The flip side, however, is that it makes complaining a lot like smoking. You don't have to do it yourself to suffer the ill effects. So you need to be cautious about spending time with people who complain about everything. Typically, complainers want people to join their pity party so that they can feel better about themselves. But think of it this way. If a person were smoking, would you sit there all afternoon and inhale the secondhand smoke? No, you would distance yourself and you should do the same with complainers. But there are two things to do when you feel the need to complain, because sometimes we're guilty. One is to try to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And before you roll your eyes and you're like, okay, really? Like just walk around being a happy little bee? No, but when you feel like complaining, you shift your attention to something that you're actually grateful for. And taking time to contemplate what you're grateful for, it's not just the right thing to do. It actually reduces that stress hormone, cortisol, that we talked about earlier, by 23%. Research conducted at the University of California, Davis, found that people who work daily to cultivate an attitude of gratitude literally experience improved mood and energy and have substantially less anxiety due to lower cortisol levels. So anytime you do experience negative or pessimistic thoughts, which we all do, you can use this as a cue to shift gears and to really try to focus on something positive. And in time, a positive attitude just becomes the way you naturally think. And if you think that's too good or too simple to be true, um, one of my favorites, Dr. Rick Hansen, he's the author of this book called Hardwiring Happiness, which I strongly suggest you purchase. And it explores the connection between happiness, habits, and your brain. So in the book, he talks about a study he was involved in where several people were instructed to write down something they were grateful for along with the reason why. So for example, if you say you're grateful for your mother, you would also write down that it's because she makes you feel loved. After 21 days of doing this, people who were testing as low-level pessimists were testing as low-level optimists. For those who had depression, the exercise helped with that as well. The same study was also done with participants who were affected by chronic muscular disease. And after six months, they were actually able to reduce the amount of medication they were taking by 50%. 50%. And the reason this worked is because it literally reprogrammed their thinking. And so Dr. Hansen compares our brains to an app that you constantly have running in the background. Instead of noticing all the things going wrong, your brain will begin scanning for all the things going right in your world. So this is no joke. It means that despite what people tell us about how being a pessimist or optimist is out of our control, it turns out that we do have power over what we want to think. So instead of viewing a negativity call out to your friend as an offense, try to reframe your thinking and seeing it as a duty and a help. Tough love friendship requires us to challenge each other and to affirm each other. And so bringing your relationship into a space of light and positivity is you doing just that. 
So go out there with your friends, find the courage, the bravery to bring the issue up. Try a few of these different methods that we talked about. One of the five strategies to pivot, to package it as a favor or to refer her to somebody who can help in order to pull her out of that mode. But one thing I ask you is not to completely eliminate or run away from the friendship. And we talk about that a lot, quitting on friendships when it really just requires conversation. If you found today's episode helpful or if you're like, girl, I feel personally attacked, either way, come and tell me about it over at the Give It A Rest podcast after party. It's a group on Facebook where we're sharing our experiences, our reflections on the episode, and then updating each other whenever we go and put the strategies into practice with our real live friends. So I'll be over there rooting for you and I'll also be giving you your weekly friendship tips over at Give It A Rest Movement on Instagram. So until the next episode, go out there and create, nurture, and fight for your female friendships because we need each other. See you soon.